This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to a Green and White special brought to you by Argyle Life and One Team in Devon, the weekly Argyle newsletter and fanzine. As you might have gathered, I'm not Aaron or Joe. Instead, I'm James, the voice behind One Team in Devon. And in this special podcast edition, we're here to talk through our latest newsletter, a review of the stats from the first half of the season, and a look at the challenges facing new head coach Ian Foster. Tonight, I have with me a statistical symposium of faces, both new and old. First up, we have Alberto Laucello, co-author and the brains behind the stats of this piece. Alberto is an Argyle fan and football data analyst consultant at Eurosport Italy. Welcome, Alberto. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's uh, nice to meet you and uh, it's a pleasure to be hosted in this uh, podcast. Next up, Argyle Life's data Don and X.com's Not A Troll, Ben. How are you? Hello. I don't like to be called a, a data Don with Alberto on the uh, on the screen with me. But yeah, I suppose... Uh, I suppose we'll get to we'll get to learn from a an expert today. And finally, the Neville and Carragher of Argyle Life rolled into one. Adam Price, how are you enjoying Fosball? Wow, yeah, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, hey, yeah, Fosball, it's unbeaten, isn't it? So I'm 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 sure the the, the guys on the on the other podcast have, have covered it um, in great depth. So let's just say we're very happy not to have lost yet. First up, Alberto, thank you for your time in putting these amazing stats together. Um, you know, there's a link to the piece uh, in the description of the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, apologies in advance, but uh, there's a link in there as well. Um, Alberto, can you tell us how, become, how you became an Argyle fan? Uh, sure. So um, I try to be quick. Uh, I came in Plymouth the first time in uh, 2010. Uh, during the summer to study English. It was not the first time that I came in England to, to do that, but it was the first time that I spent the whole summer there. And uh, simply put, I had a great time um, meeting new people. I had a great host family, uh, Pamela Russell and uh, David Russell, that they hosted me in uh, uh, Plimstock, which, uh, to whom I say hi. And... Uh, 
Well, uh, I was already a football fan. Uh, I grew up in a family where uh, my father uh, made me support Juventus, but I didn't really have a reason to do that. So I started questioning, uh, like, my why why was I supporting uh, Juventus? And uh, I was in a new city. I felt at home. Actually, my favorite color is green. So, you know, it was like a, a complete match for me. And uh, I tried the... Uh, the experience of uh, the English football, because I think it's uh, like, you know, it's not just about uh, the, the sport itself, but it's a whole environment uh, uh, completely different from uh, the, the Italian one. Like uh, you have like a proper day of uh, football. It's uh, almost like a religion in, uh, in your country. Fell in love with it, fell in love with the club. Uh, I'm not one who jumped on the bandwagon because it was the year of the financial uh, problems. So I, I've been supporting since then, since the, the relegations. And uh, it, was, it was not easy at first, but then uh, I saw a club uh, rising uh, and doing better and better. And uh, yeah, here I am. And uh, what was your favorite pasty? <laughs> best, my favorite best in Peru. So, huh. um, there was this place uh, in the city center called uh, Ivor Dudney, something like that, which wasn't bad. I remember if you wanted to go like for a cheap one, or there was also another in the Barbican, was very good. Uh, I don't remember the name, it's something J, J, K, S, J, 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 A, C, K, A, something like that. Uh, baker in the barbican, very nice as well. Yeah, that's that's all I remember. <laughs> you won me over Ivor Junior, and we can catch up on Plimpstock growing up in Plimpstock uh, uh, offline. Oh. Um, and just uh, you know, what led you to what your you know what you do at Eurosport, um, and just tell us a bit about what you you know what that what that's like um, to do what you do, um, you know, uh, for football mm -hmm. data analysts. Okay. Uh, yeah, it all started quite uh, randomly. I mean, I was um, I did a course uh, in order to be a recognized football data analyst, uh, but then I just started publishing publishing on uh, on Twitter, and from there I've been uh, noticed by the like uh, head of uh, by the responsible uh, for the uh, news on the website of uh, Eurosport Italy. And um, he contacted me, and uh, he suggested that we did this um, like. Um, reserved piece on their website where uh, while I once every two weeks would uh, provide them with uh, statistical uh, analysis with um, basically uh, consultancies uh, regarding uh, data applied to football because uh, let's say that the average uh, journalist doesn't really know maybe how to properly handle data and that was an interesting uh, experiment. Uh, we have been working together the whole past season and uh, we are both satisfied. It's, uh, it had quite uh, some success. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's basically what, uh, what I did. Well, I see you taking plenty of people to task on Twitter about their use of uh, stats and, uh, and, um, and not uh, extrapolating numbers properly. So, um, look, we'll go into the, the meat of the, of the newsletter now. The newsletter is broken up into four parts, um, which, you know, we've got Argo in attack, Argo in defense, uh, Finizaz, um, his impact and the impact his departure could have on Ian Foster. And then finally, we've got Argyle's chances of staying up. So let's start with the attack. Um, 
Now you need to go. Hopefully, people will go into this piece and and um, and read in detail. We're not going to bombard um, every piece of data in there. Um, also, it'll be a pretty heavy heavy listen. But look, we all know our goal: great in attack. Um, and as Alberto points out, we're currently seventh for open play XG. So that's obviously discounting set pieces, and um, third in the league for for goals. So and that's at the time of writing. Um, which is the turn of the season. So Alberto, like, were you, is it is these the numbers you were expecting to see? And and for a team that's, to be fair, in the relegation scrap, how unusual would you say it is to see this level of attacking prowess? Well, uh, I I was surprised, of course, because uh, you know there were all the struggles of being a team that just was just promoted from League One. I think that if uh, from League Two to League One, there's not such a big step, but maybe. Uh, from League One to the Championship, the step is a little bit uh, bigger, you know, to get to the level of... Uh, there are teams that last year were playing in the Premier League, so um, it's very difficult to to adapt. Uh, and um, I was also curious because uh, uh, Schumacher has always played a, a kind of an attacking uh, football and a dominant way of playing, which is very rare for... Uh, uh, a team that is newly promoted in the championship to adapt uh, to try to uh, avoid relegation. Uh, it's a very risky approach. Um, in the past, although the, um, the data uh, available are not uh, a lot to depict a, let's say, a strong trend, but uh, in the past, uh, uh, rarely teams uh, adopted an approach with uh, so many. Uh, so much uh, offensive production um, while conceding this match, because of course there's the uh, the ups and downs of this uh, of this uh, approach of football. Uh, so yeah, very surprised. Uh, you said it: seventh for uh, open play expected goals, uh, three for uh, third for uh, um, for open play goals. That those are numbers that uh, don't come in easily for a newly promoted team. We are very good at uh, shooting on target. Uh, something again surprising and possibly not. So I'm not so sure it's going to be sustainable throughout the whole season. But uh, as long as we have it, I'm not going to complain about that. I think there are uh, spots where we can we could do better offensive wise because we are not exploiting uh, the aerial game at all. Also, because yeah, we don't, we didn't have the the, the players to uh, to do that. Now we had a couple of uh, additions that, uh, um, for sure, are, um, let's say prone to that kind of game. But um, yeah, so it's a very good uh, start of the season offensive wise. It could be improved, uh, but uh, it's uh, very good and uh, surprising, of course. We'll come on to some of those other aspects now. Um, quickly, Adam, the, is, we're going to dive a bit deeper into Azaz, but um, you know, how much do you, do you feel we've lost in terms of our XG and um, our attacking output just with with one player being recalled? I mean, it's it's unavoidable to think that we're going to take a pretty serious hit. I think from a lot of the stats that. Um, you know, I've seen and were presented in the article there. It's clear just how many of our attacking moves feature as as, be it um, you know, at the end of the moves he scores goals, be it um, in the in the build, let's say with a key pass, or simply being involved in the move. You know, usually 
you look in the championship and you've got players who are um, creators um, or they score. I don't think, I think maybe it's um, off the top of my head, just um, players at Leeds and Leicester that are the only ones who have had as many key passes and as ours while scoring as many. It's, you know, he, he stands out um, quite alarmingly in that sense. And so it's undoubtedly going to, going to, give us a hit how much that will be and how we go to replace that um i i won't tread in any toes but i know that's something that we want to touch on a little bit later on but um yeah it's it's gonna reshape the attack um it's i mean hey it, it's very difficult to, to improve on that attack as it is let alone when you take out one of the key creators in it so um i think the way that we're going to have to approach it is um yeah, not necessarily take it on the chin and accept, okay, we're going to be worse. It's going to have to be a different approach. It, it, we can't keep up the style of play as we would if Azaz was there because we just do not have that creative talent at the moment. And getting that other creative talent in is, well, it's a lot easier said than done. Let's put it that way. So is RxG going to take a hit? Almost certainly. Um, the extent of that, I mean, I guess that's the million dollar question. That's going to be the difference, ultimately. If we're able to mitigate that, um, you know, we've we've got that gap to the relegation zone where I'm confident that we sh- we should be okay if we can. If we can't mitigate it, yeah, let's see. Uh, one of the stats that stands out as uh, Alberto just uh, touched on is um, that we shoot from distance. Uh, we're the third the, the third best team for shots outside the penalty box. Forty four percent of all of our shots come from outside, um, with an average of eighteen point two yards. Um, with the second uh, best percentage in the league of shots on target. I know, Ben, you've banged this drum a lot in the last um, few months about people who talk down our offensive um, capabilities, our strikers, our, well, our, um, you know, the, the need to get more in. Are you, I take it obviously that doesn't surprise you. Do you think it's sustainable looking at these numbers? Well, um, as Alberto suggested, you know, I, I went on the, the rant on the uh, the pod after Ipswich and suggested that we can't keep this level of, of, of accuracy. However, we've dropped just, I think, about 0.4% of our shots on target. It went from just over 40% down to, actually, it might be a bit more than that. It might have been in the, might be around 43% shots on target. And now it's in the high 39%. We're still only the second, though. Um, in the league for percentage of shots on target. So we've been able to maintain a pretty high um, accuracy for our, our, our shots, our shooting. So as I said, I posited a few a few pods ago, potentially that's because our players are just that good. Players um, are, are hitting the target um, and, and they, they will do that you know, frequently. But if you look at the players who are perhaps contributing the most in terms of goals, players like Whitaker and Azaz, they're actually not among the most accurate players we've got. Um, they are outperforming their XG better than anybody else, Whitaker particularly, but Azaz is sort of performing 150% of his XG as well, or was, obviously no longer here. Um, but in terms of their shots on target percentage, um, they're, they're towards the bottom, of course, the, 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 the greater... Um, the greater sample size you have, then of course you're going to regress to a mean of, you know, Dan Scar's had four shots and sort of scored one or two. So, you know, it, it, that's going to skew it. But of course you're going to regress towards a mean um, in that sense. But overall as a team, we're still 
at it. Um, so what you've, you're now past the midway point of the season and we're still hitting this accuracy percentage. It, you know, it might well continue. If we are going to regress to a mean, it's going to be a worry because that will be a drastic drop off if we are to, to sort of regress and that's going to cause problems. Um, but we, you know, we, we're also the second in the, uh, for, for shots on target in total. Um, so even without the, um, even if we have a regression, we can drop down to say sixth or something overall um, in terms of shots on target and, and and also our shots on target accuracy and still have a comparably excellent output. That's still with a sort of playoff caliber um, production. So um, the worry is going to be, as, as Adam suggested, as as is key in all areas of the, of the build-up, and that is, you know, as was demonstrated, I think slightly. Although we're changing the um, at attacking build-up, you know, Azaz was hanging on him. We've got the so in terms of progressive carries, Azaz is third in the team per ninety, behind Miller, Whitaker, and Mumba. In terms of progressive passes per ninety, Azaz is clear at the top, and that's going to be the biggest loss, clearly. Um, his ability to sort of turn under pressure and play the the, the best pass, but he's top with seven point three five progressive passes per game. Um, and interestingly, um, second and again a, a small sample size, but second in that list is GAB, who had five progressive passes in his one game, which is an interesting. Although his passing accuracy is miles below Azaz, although Azaz's passing accuracy, interestingly, is is about middling for the team. Um, his progressive passes, he had five progressive passes against Huddersfield. Now, of course, that's an incredibly limited sample size. You're playing against Huddersfield, who are playing a low 3-5-2. So whether that, again, is sustainable. Uh, but that's an interesting interesting um, skill of his that's been brought in. And again, he's third for um, progressive receptions, as in receiving the you know the progressive passes have been played and he's taken the ball in. So he's he's fourth, first and third in terms of getting the ball up the pitch, whether that's carrying it, passing it or receiving it. Um, and you know, there's there's no one else who he sort of fits. Even even Morgan Whitaker doesn't. Um, you know, his progressive passes are right down the bottom because he's he does receive. And he, you know, he's our top. He's our second carrier behind uh, Miller, and he's the first in terms of rece- progressive receptions. But he doesn't get involved in the build-up players. As is that Swiss Army knife who's able to do all of all of that. So um, that whether we're going to get the opportunities to put those shots on target is the question. If we can maintain the accuracy is one thing, but you need to um, you need to be able to put the put the put the put the, the volume of efforts on target before you um, start worrying about how accurate they are. I think um, because um, again, you you regress to a mean, uh, and, and the lower your um, you know you, you can rely on Whitaker to to score far above his xG, but if he's only getting a few shots per game. He, again, his accuracy. Let me see what his um, his shots on target accuracy is. Thirty seven point six percent of his shots. So even if he's scoring sort of basically two goals for every one he ought, if he's only getting three shots per game, you're only going to get one of those on target. And then yeah, you've maybe got a good chance. So we we need to find a way of keeping the volume of shots up. Um, I think that's slightly more important than whether we can continue with the the the, the quality of our accuracy. We need if if we're going to c- continue to have an attacking output, I think it's the the volume we need to sort of be producing rather than the accuracy because with volume will come, especially if you're working good chances rather than just taking long shots and relying on Whitaker's skills, 
if you're creating good chances, that they're, they're, they're going to be higher XG opportunities, and therefore you should be able to to put them away if you're creating enough opportunities. Well, look, we've got two stats here, and I feel like this is a good time to bring them up because they may talk to what you you were just alluding to, um, and that is um, Argyle twenty third out of the uh, twenty four for aerial duels, forty five point seven percent one. Uh, which surprised me and then uh just to wrap another one in two for the price of one la- uh, bottom of the league for crosses attempted and um 23rd out of 24 for accurate crosses um we look at the last the huddersfield game um and the signings we've got two giants uh signed and our only goal in the huddersfield game came from a uh, cross from um mumba on into whitaker so is that already Two, two slightly separate um, data points there, but Adam, do you think that's already a sign of where Foster's looking at this data and seeing we need to be better in the air and we need to get crosses into the box? Uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if not, in truth. Um, I think that the, the aerial point is the obvious one. You see that we're, we're 23rd in terms of our um, aerial dual success percentage, and you know, that's a, a very obvious um Thing you, you you can very quickly look at for improvement. Um, I think when we look at that number, you have to consider the the, the style as well as the um, the the, the number itself. I.e., are we um, actively wanting to participate in aerial duels across the pitch? Probably not. In truth, or at least we weren't under Schumacher. Um, it, it it was very much, and if you if you're going to go long, um, get it into the channel, and and please don't put it on Ben Wayne's head when he's got a six foot nine centre back to deal with. But um, I think. Looking at the the signs, it's it's the natural conclusion, isn't it? That they're both six foot five. They both clearly got a physical presence, and you'd expect them to win more. Though I was interested to see that when he was in the championship, um, I think I I saw that Phillips won fewer aerial duels than he lost um, when he was at the time of Blackburn. Again, that's a pretty small sample size. Um, but in that case, maybe his height isn't everything. Maybe we're looking at his technique, his jumping reach, and you know, look. He was 17 when that happened. There's plenty of time to improve. But um, yeah, there's um, clearly a lot of aspects to what we're going to do and what we have done in this transfer window. And it, there certainly needs to be more of it on account of the fact that we've lost six players so far and bought in just two. It wouldn't surprise me if the players we bring in then are of a similar mould who can give us that, um, let's call it um, plan B of winning those aerial duels, if you want. Because, um, you know, as it is, we... We, we had a very low cross um, success rate under Schumacher. Um, we also barely attempted any. And I think that's um, symptomatic of the fact that, well, our plan was, and by all accounts, you know, it um, because we were overperforming, it was a successful one in many ways. Our plan seemed to be get the ball into an area and hit it. Let's not try and worry about getting it to, to a wing back or a winner and crossing it in to, to whichever whichever man might be in the area. It's very much a case, particularly with Whitaker. I think it's very clear that he, he wants to shoot um, whenever he, he shot more than anyone in this league uh, and by quite a fair margin. So now we we may, or well, hopefully, uh, we, we, we may have a few different options along with Phillips and JB that come in as this window goes on, it gives us that other option that um, that perhaps Sam Cosgrove gave us last season, or or, or perhaps even that. I'm not suggesting you know we need to go completely the other way, and everyone needs we bring in needs to be nearly seven foot tall, but something of a balance I think is something that we can find, particularly as we've been saying now that Azaz is gone, and now that we're looking to mitigate his departure, perhaps add more strings to our bow. Um, yeah, it, it, it certainly looks to me that that was at least something that Foster's been thinking about. 
and because as I think we've all said that that stat and and how bad we are sticks out like a sore thumb right with our with our aerial duels I mean you're looking at it and it's um I'm going to find it now who's the only one below a Southampton have attempted the fewest um and their success rate is actually more than acceptable um compared to what we're offering there so you know there's um there's something to think about and and clearly Foster is well look, there was no real surprise other than I thought the um the lack of uh aerial ability uh, from the attacking stats so we'll move on to defense um and not a great selection of stats here either uh, i'll just give you the headline figures that argyle have the second highest uh, open play xga uh, expected goals against um and on average we concede the third most dangerous chances in the league and worryingly from the closest range so we concede uh, chances on average to 16 yards out so we're facing uh, more dangerous shots from the range than, than pretty much anyone in the league obviously thank you uh, everyone should go and, and have a look at the the piece because not only is alberto dig out these stats but he also produces these wonderful um charts that bring them to life so uh difficult for us to do on the pod so please go and have a look at those but um you know just to bring these into context alberto i mean how you know not just in league terms as we're bottom of the league for these but i mean you know can you articulate how bad we're perform- uh, we are performing in defense well uh, that's the that's the main problem that uh, our guy have shown uh, this uh, this season the, um, the fact is uh, schumacher decided to uh, approach the defensive phase with a low block basically because uh, they um, the players have not been uh, pressing high we have the fifth highest PPDA, which uh, basically the higher it is, uh, the lower intensity, uh, the lower the pressing intensity is. So uh, we are not a team like uh, Liverpool who do gag and press, and we don't do when we do it, we don't do it particularly well. There's nothing wrong about that. Uh, it's uh, an approach that you can uh, that you can have. For example, Juventus have, and uh, they are doing great in Italy. The problem, the difference is that uh, uh, Juventus, for instance, uh, has a great uh, uh, low block efficiency, in the sense that uh, its, def- it, uh, its defense can stand and can keep the uh, the attackers outside of the penalty box. Instead, uh, Argyle uh, defense uh, act like a, um, uh, a butter when uh, encounters a hot knife. It's uh, easily cut through. The, we, uh, we, I think we, if I remember correctly, uh, we consider the most through balls. Um, a through ball is a passage that can skip a defensive line, basically, so create a clear advantage for the for the opponent. And uh, if you count uh, the uh, touches uh, of the opponent in our uh, penalty box uh, on the total of uh, their touches in the final third, you can see that we are the second world. We have the second worst low block efficiency. Uh, that's a problem to address because uh, it doesn't regard something like, uh, for example, uh, aerial duels. It's not something like we we cannot deal with because we don't have tall players. It's something that we should be able to cover. Uh, the line of passes, the, and uh, especially we are quite weak in tackling. Uh, we do not tackle a lot. It's like we wait. We maybe try to uh, concede the 
uh, weak foot to the opponent. But uh, this particularly works with uh, uh, weaker opponents when you start having the likes of Jorginho Rutter or uh, Somerville that you're facing, uh, uh, just to quote a couple of players, uh, then it starts to become, uh, or even if we were to face, for example, uh, an hypothetical Morgan Whitaker, that's, uh, that's, that, that's where the difficulties come in. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a real problem. We are 19th for tackles won per opponent touches. I say per opponent touches because whenever you uh, talk about defensive stats, uh, you need to normalize them. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Plymouth uh, will face a lot more uh, defensive actions, uh, uh, will be um, into more, uh, much more defensive action than Leicester, for instance. So that's why you need to normalize on, for example, the numbers of opponent touches. So we are 19th in the league for that. And that's quite remarkable. The only good thing I would uh, stress of our defense is that we've been pretty good at blocking shots uh, since we have the second highest percentage in the league. Um, and uh, it's not really, let's say, the defense of the mobile players, but uh, let's praise our keepers who have been both, and I stress both, uh, playing very well uh, um, in terms of preventing uh, goals uh, from uh, saves. This maybe you will see in the next piece if we are still going to uh, collaborate uh, on uh, these uh, pieces with uh, James. Uh, both Hazard and uh, Cooper have been uh, great at that and uh, have been also good uh, at uh, cross-claiming. Uh, which is another help, let's say, that we have provided to our uh, so far uh, poor defense. Um, not, uh, I'm not talking in, uh, for singular players. I mean, uh, uh, Gibson has been uh, a very good addition for this year. Uh, Julio Pleguezelo, I think uh, he could do more. Uh, I think uh, much more was... Uh, expected from him when he first uh, came, but he has to adapt to a new league, so I can understand that. Scar, uh, again, could have been better. He he hasn't uh, been at his uh, top level, but still his stats are not too bad. And now we have an addition that uh, seemed uh, promising in the, in the first, uh, of course, it's just one match, so we cannot say a lot about that, but um, he won the Man of the Match award, so he that proves he he, did, he dealt great with the with the opponents. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I what I would stress. I mean, again, I'm uh, at pains to stress. Could please go and, and have a look at these visualizations and graphs that uh, Alberto's produced. But the low block efficiency graph is so bad is actually had to extend the uh, the the axis out to fit the Argyle badge uh, onto it, um, and that is uh, a measure of inefficient low block and allowing more through balls. So if you, uh, if you do go through those, that's uh, quite quite something to behold. And as Alberto just pointed out, we are looking at doing another uh, another part of this uh, very, very soon, uh, maybe next week with some player heads to heads. So um, we've got those in the bank ready to go. But as Alberto pointed out, the uh, Gagan pressing stats came out so low that we effectively don't do it. And as Alberto pointed out, if we 
when we do try it, it doesn't come off at all. You know, Adam, uh, I'm about to cut, sort of cover this off, but is that Schumacher style or is it a, a sort of a damning indictment of the setup that we do try and low block, which is not very good at that either? Yeah, it's possibly both. I think when we came into the championship, it's a very clear choice by Schumacher. And I think it's reflected actually by the the formation and adding another a body to the midfield in that we wanted to retain our shape. We didn't want to um, go and, and press and, and try to win the ball off the opposition quickly simply because when our players find themselves out of position against the likes of, of, of Leicester, Leeds United, the, the, you know, those teams at the top, um, they will be punished for it one-on-one. It, it's just the reality. Um, so I can understand um, the reasons behind it. I think, as you said, Alberto, there's nothing wrong with it per se, playing it like this. You know, it's a stylistic choice and it, it can be made to work. Um, you've just got to make it work. And so far, you know, bluntly, we haven't. Um, I think you know. You look at the the way that um, the way that we tackle. Um, even if you you do something very basic, looking at um, number of of time tackles made and number of times dribbles passed. You know, if you use that as your impression of tackle success, we are the worst team at the league at tackling, and that's something that style or not, you should be able to improve upon. You should be able to look at. And I think, to be honest. Um, and I don't know as much about Ian Foster as I'd like, but from what I've heard, I am encouraged because to my eye and to, to, to what I've seen, um, he's a lot, um, he has a lot of a mind. I'm trying to put these words in the right order, which I appreciate is not great for a podcast, but he's minded to um, look at the game out of possession as well as in possession. I think when you look at Schumacher's style, many a game, you know, we were a joy to watch when we had the ball. I, I, I think we can all accept that. Um, look at that. <laughs> the first six goals we put past Norwich as an example. Um, but yeah, the, the, the tackling, the pressing, um, style or not, has not been good enough. So I'm quietly optimistic that that's something um, that Foster's looking at. And hey, we, we know he impressed the Argyle senior leadership team at interview, right? It would not surprise me at all if he made that one of his core points, saying, look how bad we've been out of possession. I think I'm the man to fix it. And well, he gets himself the job. So yeah, I think part of Schumacher's style um, does come into that. but. I think regardless of style, um, you need to be better when you do eventually put in a tackle than we have been. And I'm hoping Foster's coaching methods will see us be better. And yeah, it remains to be seen. Yeah, of course. And his first was entrance to the England pathway, as they call it, was an out of possession coach, wasn't he, specifically uh, uh, under uh, Cooper. So um, with every chance that he can make a a big impression onto these uh, this aspect of the uh, Argyle setup because if you look at the stats in this manner, then whichever way you look at it, it's it, as you say, it's not good enough. Um, in terms of uh, a pressing in particular, Ben, um, do we see a, a a big chasm between a Schumacher, a Schumacher brand of football and a Foster brand of football? And how much did you? Did you spot uh, any change between those two styles and brands within the very limited um, sample size of the one uh, Huddersfield game so far? I think there was definitely um, some noticeable changes. It's funny because um, I don't really watch any um, what do you call it, age group football particularly, but for some by some fluke, I don't know if it was lockdown or what, but I actually watched Foster's um, the under-19 Euros in 2022. I can't remember what the circumstances was, but I actually remember watching those games um, and being quite impressed. They, they'd beaten Israel in the group stages and then beat them again in the final. 
um, when Israel sort of shocked France in the semis. And I seem to remember that they were very good defensively. They didn't concede much at all. They were sometimes, I want to say boring, but they were very measured and considered in their build-up play. They passed the ball side to side. They had the the three centre-backs. And, and this is, of course, assuming that this is the same style and formation he wants to implement. He might well look at the personnel he has here at Argyle and say they're not adept, you know, adapt, adept rather at setting up that way. I'm going to need to change. If he's flexible, he might want to change things. But assuming that 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 three four three that he used in the Euros is is sort of like his at the base of his um, of his of his of his uh, philosophy. Um, they had the the, the three centre backs who would form us almost like a triangle themselves potentially using at times using the the goalkeeper but the wing backs would 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 basically go up and down and, and go very wide and attack they would would essentially match up against the back line of the opponents but in in, in build up they would they would drop deep in and out of the if the midfield when necessary and it would be quite a patient build up until they'd got someone out of position they 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 you know frustrated the team committed someone and, and won the overlap created the overlap and then they would spring very very quickly um and uh, then they could be very dynamic uh, and, and they were very much about getting the ball into the box as we've talked about um uh, the, the different types of players that have been brought in big guys who can uh, can muscle people and, and can be combative in the box both defensively but also offensively uh, especially jb you know, Phillips being a, a defender doesn't quite fit that bill, but he's very able on the ball. He's had, I think he had a very high pass completion rate against Huddersfield. Um, and as Adam sort of suggested, his his, his aerial dominance, which you you might assume given his size, isn't uh, necessarily there yet, but he is very comfortable with the ball at his feet. And that's definitely the the style that that, that team played in build-up. But defensively, they were absolutely cutthroat in their pressing. They were very um, they, getting the ball back incredibly quickly. That was the most exciting part of watching that England team play was the way that they would force players into decisions or into, into to give them only one option and then pounce on the the pass. You know, you, you'd force the the wing back or the or the fullback inside when he was in possession, cut off the line. Uh, the, you know, the the, the, the fullback, the, sorry, the wing backs would go cut off the line, so you couldn't play the. The, the ball down the line, they'd have to come inside and then everyone would press, compress the space and, and only leave the one option and, and win the ball back very quickly. And you could see, I think you could definitely see, especially with JB, that um, he was a bit rusty. Obviously, he hasn't played and you can't blame him uh, for being, but um, there was definitely the kind of uh, trigger almost that he was the one to go. He'd been told when and it didn't always come off. He was sometimes late to the ball and would sort of kick the guy in the back of the, the calf or the ankles, but the guy would get his pass off or we'll play the one-two and, and we'll sort of round him at times. And maybe the rest of the team weren't also au fait with when JB was going, what they had to do. Um, I think, you know, after one week in the, on the training ground, um, there's obviously a lot more room for improvement, but you could definitely see that there was an attempt at a higher press. Um, and they obviously had been told that certain things were to, to happen that was that was the trigger um and it didn't necessarily come off especially in the second half i think our shape uh, and huddersfield's changes um we didn't quite know how to deal with those and uh, we sort of changed shape to try and provide some more um to put put someone slightly higher up the pitch i think to sort of be able to get closer and begin that press but it wasn't effective and once that person's out of the game once that person's been 
played past, you then can't press because you're outnumbered. You've lost the, the, the numerical advantage, as it were. So I think that and there was definitely signs that there's going to be a, a much more aggressive intent amongst the, the, the defending from the front. I don't know how much difference there was. I, you know, I, I wasn't paying a great deal of attention because I was getting a bit nervous, to be honest. Um, but I, I wasn't quite sure how big a difference there was in the, um, you know, the, allowing through balls, allowing balls into the box and, and how good we were at cutting that out. I'd like to see the, the stats on that um, or maybe even watch back the full match replay and just sort of see how differently we dealt with um, the players because they did get you know, out from, from the back. It wasn't like we stifled them and, and really kept them in. Um, again, we're assuming that this is going to be the style he's going to try and implement and that um, that's what they were trying to do against Huddersfield. Whereas it seemed to be honest in the second half, they decided, look, don't play any stupid balls. Uh, safety first, get rid of the ball. Let's let's get away with a point, maybe at the expense of sort of tactical, um, the implementation of, of sort of like the game plan or the tactics that he's trying to instill in the team. So it's very difficult to draw any distinct conclusions from one game when it was about, you know, that was more about not allowing Huddersfield to close the gap on us in the table as much as sort of um, being able to express the the principles that the coaches put in the team. But I definitely, you know, from that, that under-19s team, the defence is very much starts at the top of the pitch, um, and is very dynamic. So it's going to be a it's going to be interesting to see which players in the team he sees as being able to affect that that style. Because we can't see too many that have got that dynamism to 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 be able to to carry the ball effectively, to be able to pass and move, as well as to be able to press effectively. Um, so that might be where the 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 spaces in the the loan market are going to become useful and whether it would be interesting to see which which players in the squad will be able to adapt to that philosophy but there's certainly those who have the physical traits to be able to do it it's whether they're able to 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 quickly take on board the 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 be aware of uh, and play within play with everyone else because it is a very much a, everyone needs to be on the same page for that philosophy to work so players like Callum Wright etc have the physicality that the attributes they're strong they're fast but will they be switched on enough to sort of recognise their role in it? Um, there's potential there for for it to become, be quite successful with Argyle, um, but time time will tell, I guess. And and, and again, we're, we're I'm saying all this on the assumption that that three four three and the same sort of high press um, and, and slow patient build up is going to be what he's going to try and implement when he may well try something else. Adam, just quickly on that, um, and to cap off this part of the um, part of the pod, just quickly, any of the stats we've been through so far? Is there anything in the first uh, Foster ninety minutes that um, that jumped out to be uh, to you to be him rectifying some of these uh, shortcomings? I think perhaps if you just look at um, you know the, with regards to the XG in that game, I, if you are to look at the combined XG of each team. And look at the a game in the season. It's the only game to have produced fewer chances this season that Argyle have been involved in was West Bromwich Albion away, the nil-nil draw. Um, every other game um, you, you'd you know, expect to see see plenty more. And then this one, we're, we're coming to the end of the game where neither side has quite reached one XG. So perhaps looking at that is an indication that um, looking towards being very solid is is something that we're, we're going to look forward to. Um, I think so. To, to go on what, what Ben said there, it could 
in, if you're being harsh, be described as boring at times. It can be. Don't get me wrong. I did not find that second half particularly exciting. I was, yeah, a nervous wreck, to be honest with you. But in the end, we got ourselves a point and didn't really concede any clear-cut chances away from home in the championship. So I think that's something to look at. If you're looking at um, Stephen Schumacher managing that game, then, yeah, I I get the impression that we would have um, at least at least one XG4, but we, we'd certainly have it against as well. So that's something I'd look at. I wouldn't... Um, I mean, hey, well, I'm going to use the same line that we all have. It's one game. We can't be sure that's going to extrapolate over the season. We might see plenty more um, or, or, or many things different when even when Cardiff arrive at the weekend. Um, but looking at that in isolation, it, you know, it certainly caught my eye that that's very, very different to what we're used to seeing. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, and uh, Foster was uh, pains to sort of talk about uh, us being uh, more solid away. So um, uh, that may be at the start of a, of, a, of a change between a home style and a away style. We'll have to see. Alberto? Yeah, James, uh, if I may add, uh, it's, uh, this is the <clears throat> data analyst in me uh, that uh, would like to stress a very important thing. Um, let us all remember that one game is nothing, literally, st- from the statistical point of view. I mean, in one game, there are multiple games, okay? For example, uh, in the game we've seen, the last one against Huddersfield, uh, even just for the fact that we scored quite early, that changes completely the approach, okay? So you have already a, a squad before scoring the game, and then you have another approach after when you are leading and then another one when you're drawing again later on. So we we do need to wait to uh, have a better idea of that. And also for the fact uh, regarding the XG, no? if you remember from last season, uh, we kept uh, hearing uh, uh, mornings about how lucky was uh, Argyle because we weren't, uh, the, we didn't have the best uh, XG and so on. So, First of all, uh, uh, expected goals are quite more uh, um, complicated than that. It's not just uh, uh, data that you add to each other uh, in order to have a big sum and then uh, you can... It's not the proper way to use it, but other than that, I don't want to get too, uh, too boring about it. What is very important is the game state. I'll give you an easy example. If you're winning then you do not need to uh, create a lot of XG, okay? So if you are a team uh, that spends uh, a lot of time winning because maybe you were lucky to score a goal uh, before, then you do not need to produce uh, as much XG as your usual, let's say, 
also in the, in the game, you, we had to consider that for a bit, we didn't need to uh, push to produce more XG. So it's just one game. The team is not complete. Uh, players are still uh, leaving and coming. We do need to wait a bit more to understand actually what's, uh, what, what uh, Foster's plan is going to be. Um, I have faith in the club. I have faith in the coach. Uh, so far, they, uh, they, they, they took uh, just good choices. We are in the championship because of uh, our incredible board. So uh, that's a faith. Again, uh, you can always encounter a difficult, uh, difficult match. But again, it's very important to understand that uh, even in one match, there are multiple matches played and multiple approaches in, within the same match that can influence the outcome. So let's wait to have minutes and minutes of, uh, I don't know, uh, Plymouth leading by one goal or Plymouth uh, trailing by one goal or Plymouth uh, drawing until the very last moment to understand what is act- how actually this team plays and how, what are its uh, pros and cons of... Uh, of their uh, philosophy. I feel like I need you to come and watch games with me to keep me calm because that was uh, some of the best (laughs) advice I've had uh, all season. Um, Right, we touched on Azaz. um, So let's not not go over uh, too much. Uh, We realise he's an incredibly important player. Again, please go look at the uh, graphs and output um, uh, statistics that Alberto's put together are absolutely fantastic. Um, Some absolute highlights that Azaz has managed to produce a quarter of the team's expected assists just by himself. Um, so a huge, huge part of what we've achieved this season is uh, solely on his shoulders. Um, Alberto, how unique is that to have a player produce that or, or carry that much um, output just just for one man? Well, it's uh, it's pretty unique, uh, and then it's a problem when you don't have him uh, anymore, because uh, you were relying uh, on uh, his uh, his presence in the field. Azaz was the fifth most used uh, player in the under uh, Schumacher in the first half of the of the season. He was a fundamental player, but you could see that also last year uh, when uh, we were missing him, and uh, when uh, when he was playing, he was a uh, like uh, we were much more uh, of a threat. This year, particularly, he's been outstanding, and that's basically the reason why he, uh, he left. He's been recalled and then sent to uh, Middlesbrough. He's uh, he's not just first for expected assists in the in the team, uh, contributing for basically one fourth of uh, our uh, expected assists. He's also third for uh, non-penalty expected goals behind the two monsters, uh, uh, the likes of uh, Morgan Whitaker and uh, Ardy, which of course is uh, our uh, main striker. And uh, I'm expecting him to be the the one providing the the, the most uh, non-penalty expected goals. I think that uh, another important data to underline is uh, the expected offensive value added, which is basically the net addition of uh, uh, expected assist and expected goals minus the expected assist re- received. So actually, what he brought to the offensive phase, uh, that is uh, again the second highest in the in the team, 17%. It's a, a huge value for uh, one singular player. 
And uh, if we consider also uh, the fact that uh, he has been a, a constant threat for the opponent, he was the first for uh, expected threat through passes. Expected threat is a measure of uh, how more, let's say, threat you uh, add to your team uh, uh, moving the ball from one place to the other. You can either do that with, via carry or uh, via passes. Um, in this case, he's, uh, he's been fundamental with his, uh, his passes in the final third. And also, uh, he was very good at uh, providing advantages, both with through balls, so skipping one line of defense. Again, best of the team, uh, even a little bit more than a quarter of uh, uh, our total through balls were, made, were uh, created by him. He was also the third most successful uh, dribbler uh, in the team. So again, creating advantages, creating an area where you have more players than the, than the opponent. That's fundamental. And uh, I was honestly, he, he even if you, when you check uh, all the other stats that he has, we, uh, we have a couple of uh, charts in there. Uh, in the piece uh, I wrote with you, uh, James, uh, which uh, I, suggest, I strongly suggested to check out. He was above average in, uh, in, in every stats, and that's something you very rarely see, very rarely see. I was surprised that I would have been surprised if he didn't attract um, interest. Unfortunately, in the contract, apparently, it was he was allowed to be recalled, and uh, I even understand uh, Villa when... Uh, when they see they have an opportunity to sell. And to be honest, he's been sold for, uh, I mean, he's been basically stolen. Uh, I know he was out of contract soon, but uh, uh, that price uh, nowadays in football, I mean, everybody could see his quality. He could have played easily in half of the, uh, I'm, I'm watching a lot of Serie A, so I could have easily seen him uh, like playing in half of the team that we have here in the Serie A starting regular. Um, the two outstanding players this year have been him and uh, Morgan. Uh, so, yeah, fundamental player. Very sorry for him to, that, uh, that he has left. I was hoping that, actually, I thought that Kandel could kind of fit in and uh, substitute him. Of course, not in the same way. Kandel was... Uh, uh, as the slightly different uh, uh, stats again, you can check them uh, on the on the article we wrote. But uh, I was confident because uh, he already had previous uh, championship experience, and uh, despite not playing as much as uh, as as he was clearly a good player, and unfortunately, <laughs> they they took him away as well. So now it's uh, it's re it's really up to the manager. Um, he might completely change the approach and try to have uh, two players that are more maybe like uh, wing rather than uh, offensive midfielders. Uh, we will see. Uh, again, we, we need time. We need time to understand the, the uh, strategy of the, of the board in bringing in players. Uh, I have faith, so um, I am positive. To replace him, to find another Azaz this season with the budget we have, uh, Highly unlikely. I never say impossible because I'm uh, I'm into stats, but it's uh, highly unlikely. I think the frustrating part of losing Azaz was the trajectory that his uh, he seemed to be on near the in the final few games, final six games. He just seemed to be his performance levels just seemed to be going up and up. Um, 
after a strong start to the season, just getting better and better. So I don't even think we, I think it's a great time for Borough to buy and don't think we even saw the, you know, the peak of, of his powers. Um, yeah, redu- re- replacing his output, um, statistically speaking, as Alberto points out, un- unlikely. Um, Adam, what do you think is realistic? Do you think we can produce? Do you think we can replace enough of it? And do you think there's enough um, scope in the team, the system, and the potential to perhaps share a bit of what he uh, offered around a few more players um, in the squad? I I think it has to be. Um, that that's um, almost once you you start dealing with the the defensive issues that we covered. That's um, was the the most important task is to see exactly how we're going to um, get some of that input and, and spread it across the team. Um, you're not going to go out. Well, let, let's put it another way. It's very, very unlikely you're going to go out in this market and you're going to find another finisars. I mean, for, for what we're going to spend, you may do, I guess. I, yeah, I, we know that our recruitment and our, our, our scouting network has, has delivered in the past. There may be some gems we can uncover. I certainly hope there is. I think it's possible that you could go out and find another Luke Condal, in all honesty. Um, I think that that sort of input um, is something that, you know, it's a a 21-year-old from Wolverhampton. Yes, he was a very good player, but I think there are going to be more of those out there that we could perhaps target. Again, I don't have any names um, off the top of my head, but I'd be very surprised, to be honest, if the club didn't. So bringing in one or two, and I'd like to see a couple um, of players in that attacking midfield role, who can at least carry some of the burden is a priority. Um, the other thing you do as well is, I think, as we've been saying, and I, I, I don't want to bore everyone and going over old ground, but sorting out the defence is key. And when you're doing that, the um, the necessity actually to create so many chances um, across a game is is reduced if, if if you're not conceding the goal every five minutes. So I think. Those are that's the two pronged approach I think you need to take. I think you definitely need new blood in, absolutely, and I think we can find players, um, certainly of Condal's ability. Um, I think it's very unlikely we find another as ours, but if you've got if you've got two Condals, um, then that then that may be something. Um, but I think certainly pairing that with the way we play as a whole and getting that shored up, um, getting our our defense more confident. And making meaning ultimately that our chances mean more. Um, because if you if you if you're scoring one goal and you and you're losing by four, it's not as bad. If you're scoring one goal and you're not shipping many, hello, we're we're, we're looking interesting. So, yeah, I think everything kind of goes into one with that one. Everything that we do on the transfer front on the training ground is going to matter to replace what Azaz does. On the whole, it's not impossible. Getting another fin Azaz maybe, um, replacing what he does. Not necessarily. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily need a Finazaz if you're not playing the four-one sort of four-one that 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 was being played because basically he was the fulcrum of everything and he was the fulcrum because he was able to do that. But you know, you had the back four, you had Halter, and then you sort of have a Zaz in the middle with a another who would go up and down. You had the the front three. You know, it, it was um, it, he everything went through him almost by necessity and he was that good at it that everyone gave it to him it was a very simple way of playing almost he was that kind of cheat code to use the you know the sort of that he wasn't he had to work hard it wasn't like he you know he could just do things but he was able to turn people he was able to pick you know his power as alberto was sort of 
enumerated his passing, his assisting stats, his through balls, that skill to have that combination of that close control to be able to turn and beat a man and then be able to either carry if the space is there until someone's forced to come to you and you can play the pass or to be able to turn and play the pass if you're if the if the defense is pressed up against you. The, the sort of system fitted him. He fit the system. If you're not playing that system, you don't need a Finazaz. You can get in other players who have good attacking qualities that fit the system that's being played. And I very much sort of think that we won't be playing the sort of the Schumacher um, formation and style. I very much think we will have a back three, um, how it shapes up in front of it in transition and from game to game will probably vary depending on who we're playing because you know, even, even under Schumacher, we did, we adapted um, whether we were sort of zonal marking, man marking at times, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I don't really think we need to find an Azaz. What we need to do is, is replicate his output by committee potentially. And that's actually doable. You know, if you're, you know, if we're looking at replacing 25% of the team's expected assists, if we're looking at um, rep, um, supplementing sort of, let's say another five or six, maybe seven goals in the second half of the season. You can get that by, if you bring in two or three, you know, three or four decent midfielders, you can aggregate that amongst the team. Um, and even those who are who are here can, can be involved more in different ways. There are players here who aren't necessarily being used to their fullest potential. I'd say that at times, Bali Mumba isn't being used to the fullest of his ability um, and could be, you know, uh, tactics and, and game plans could be formulated to accentuate what he does. He's very capable, you know, even though he's had, as what many people would describe as a poor season, he's still very effective. If you look at the numbers for his carries, um, for his involvements in the, in the, in the top of the pitch, he doesn't, he does an awful lot of good work. So um, there's, there's lots that can be done to, to replace his output within the style of the team. I think, I don't think there's a need necessarily to go out and try and find a replacement because I mean, don't get me wrong, if Azaz was still here, Foster would definitely find a way to incorporate him into the team. He's that good. It wouldn't matter. He'd adapt his tactics. But if we, if, if we don't need that role in the team, we can we can replicate that um, by committee, but, you know, but aggregate that across a few good additions and maximising what we already have in the squad. Okay. Um, finally, um, Alberta put together a, uh, another graphic which shows Argyle's chances of staying up and what is called, it's called what wins relegation battles. Again, go have a look at it. The key takeaway is that with the goals we concede, we would be an outlier if we stayed up. Obviously, we are also an outlier in attack, but the only, if you take Luton out of the equation, no one close to the level of goals that we concede has ever stayed up in the championship, which may sound a bit uh, doomer. Um, but uh, is the is the way it is. So just quickly to finish off, let's should we go around the group and just what are the key areas we need to strengthen? Um, let's just limit it to two uh, of the key positions that you would really think that could could uh, change the numbers and and ensure our survival this season. Uh, should we start, Alberto? Uh, well, uh, a lot will depend on uh, again Foster's uh, tactics. Um, it seems like. We are going to play with uh, three at the back now, or at least as long as uh, Galloway can uh, be consistent and uh, if he can uh, avoid injuries. Because he's a great player. Uh, he's a bit fragile. We know that. So, well, uh, uh, if it was up to me, 
uh, I can see us well now with uh, Kessler Hayden uh, leaving. We, I, I think, we do need a replacement on the other. Either even if we play four at the back, then we would need like a right back or a wing back if we play three at the back. But uh, I, with all due respect, uh, think that uh, both Miller and Edwards can be good replacement at this level. But uh, regular starters. Uh, Let's say maybe they are a bit uh, uh, below average uh, compared to the the rest of the league. Uh, Mumba, I think, uh, can uh, flourish as a wing back rather than a wing. Mm, he didn't have a bad season. He just was adapting to a new role, a more offensive role, which I don't think really fits him so far. So definitely uh, right back or a wing back. And then, uh, well, <laughs> uh, it was, it's probably going to be easier not to replace both Candle and Azaz up there, but try maybe to walk around with another tactic. So if I had to choose something, again, uh, in the view of the lack of a plan B that we had before regarding crosses and uh, headers and uh, aerial threat in the opponent's area, uh, I would look for maybe um, uh, Sam Cosgrove similar player. I mean, someone that you can uh, put up there and can play differently from Hardy. Uh, because uh, we, I mean, it's going to happen that we're going to uh, be trailing, that we're going to uh, be down one nil, two nil, or whatever. And uh, we'll have to recover goals. And like it or not, Lots of teams, uh, uh, when they are in that uh, situation, they try to rely on crossing game. And I'm not saying that we have to be great at crossing and great at heading, uh, especially if we don't have the players. But at least to have a chance of having a plan B, uh, even on set pieces that could uh, potentially give us uh, uh, some more threat, some more uh, XG, some more offensive production. So... If it was up to me, definitely a tall striker that can hold the ball, can pass the ball, and possibly can head the ball into the goal, and uh, a wing back. Adam, anything different uh, or refreshingly uh, uh, left field? Possibly not left field. I mean, it, it's going to be something that I don't. Uh, unless you're, you're going out and suggesting two goalkeepers, I don't think there's much that we can say that we can't strengthen um, at some stage, um, simply because we, we, we've lost so many players. Um, if you're going to put me down to the two that I feel are absolutely essential, then a right wing back um, or right back, however we want to play it, is, is completely obvious. Yeah, Kane Gersaden needs to be replaced. And I I guess with Juice Nip's comments, yeah, we're, we're pretty confident that's going to happen. And... Um, Tactically or, or 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 otherwise, um, whether we're we're going to use them in quite the same way as 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 I, I I think I agree with the consensus there that that would probably not, but I'd still have at least one another attacking midfielder on the top of my list just to 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 offer that option should we want to turn to it and um, yeah there, there, we we've got a a severe lack of depth in any case so any any sort of kind of attacking midfielder that we think would fit Foster's style whatever that's going to be I think is a huge priority. Ben, I was going to just ask the same question to you in a different way. Um, a lot of calls on social media for attacking options and, and striker options. Um, it's been pretty unfortunate this season that 
are both strikers uh, in Bundu and Hardy seem to get always get injured at the same time. Um, given that we've seen on you know on paper how effective we are as an attacking team, would you would would a would a striker be a a use of your limited funds? Um, or would you, uh, where else would you spend it that's not the obvious uh, right back and attacking midfielder holes? If you're going to get a striker, I mean, I think Bundu can do an, a wide range of roles. I think he's actually he's very fast. His first pace is brilliant. So his his role potentially in a team which is trigger pressing could be it could be really useful to to you know if he, I don't know how good he is at tackling how good he is at jockeying your man but if he's you if he's used to go and you know he's the first man to go and press the ball he could actually have a role potentially in the centre of the midfield someone who can carry the ball forward as a as a more attacking um, midfielder um, rather than sort of like a winger slash striker I think if you're going to get a striker it needs to be someone like Alberto suggested who's going to hold the ball up because. Sometimes you need to. Uh, the Southampton game is a prime example. You can get rid of the ball and it just comes back at you. There's no point clearing the ball if you've got no retention. And and there are times when, you know, I think Huddersfield was a prime example where we were getting re- rid of the ball and it was very often coming back at us. Well, we were trying to play low risk and you need you. There's no point doing that if you haven't got people to hold the ball. So if you're going to get an attacker, it needs to be someone who's able to, you know, to, to bring the team up the pitch. We've got great output up front, I think, between Whitaker, Hardy, uh, Bundu, uh, Mumba. You've got enough there, you know, and the other players who are more squad players that, that can chip in here and there. I think you've got enough output. What you need is people to facilitate them. You know, that's what Azaz did brilliantly. So if, if if you're asking me what would I think is necessary, if if I had to choose between getting a new wing back and trusting um Edwards there. I mean, I don't think he can last ninety minutes every game, every week. But he's very clever. He knows how to to to, to push. He he does it very well, actually. Sort of when he's not called on to do it, even even under Schumacher, he'd go and press the man. He sort of spring out and sense his opportunity to go and press. So I think he could play in a high pressing team quite well. Whether at thirty three he can play ninety minutes every week in the championships, another matter. So I do think that is an area. Of, but I think an all round midfielder, very much like JB we're trying to stop balls into the box we're trying to press high we're trying to be able to um, occupy the middle of the pitch we're trying to boss the middle of the of the park really with by stretching it with the wing wing, wing backs and and moving the ball around you need an all-round midfielder which as as was you know even his defensive stats etc were good um but that's where i would go even maybe over an attacking midfielder uh, get an all-round midfielder, someone who can defend, someone who can press, someone who's dynamic, someone who's a physical presence. As has been said, you couldn't argue against whoever we bring in, but I would love to see another all-round midfielder who can do a job defensively, who can go and press, who can put some dynamism in the midfield. Houghton's a very good facilitator from the from the first third to the second third, and Azaz was then the quarterback almost, um, and, and sort of, the one everybody fed into. If you can put two players in the middle of the park, you can you can do that. Um, then you're, or at least have an alternative for someone to play next to Houghton, um, like JB did. Um, I think having someone of that caliber, um, like an all round midfielder, would be a, would be a great addition and would certainly feed into Fozzy Ball um, as we as we know it, as we've sort of seen it from the from the England age group um, teams. Perfect. Yeah, I think that 
pretty much backed up where I would have gone, which is a uh, someone in the perhaps the ha- alternative in the Houghton role, um, really break up play and get us moving forward. And yeah, hopefully it will be. I think we've got a big week of incomings coming in. So by the time one uh, Argyle life reconvene, uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about on signings. So that's about it from us. Thank you, Alberto, especially for all the work you did putting that together. Please go read the piece and go and, and look at his uh, his graphs and his stats. Um, and make sure you follow him. He on x.com, formerly known as Twitter. He is uh, uh, L-A-U-C-E-44. Um, thank you if you made it through this, uh, through all the way uh, to now for your time and your ears. Please subscribe also to One Team in Devon for more of this good stuff in your inbox every week. Goodbye and come on, you greens. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.